Before we share the Lord's Supper together, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 11 through 13. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 11 through 13. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that is okay. There are Bibles in the chairs in front of you in those pockets there. Also, if you don't know how to use a Bible, you may be here and have never used a Bible before. That is okay. We want you to know that. You can simply follow along. I will read the scripture passages that I am referring to. We return this morning to our study in Ephesians. And Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in a letter that would be a circular letter that would go to numerous churches, primarily Gentile churches. And he writes to them, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Well, our first point this morning is two words. The Apostle Paul begins the second paragraph of chapter 2 with the key word, therefore. There are two paragraphs in chapter 2, two long paragraphs. We're We're looking at the first of three parts in the second paragraph, just as we did with the first first paragraph a number of weeks ago, and the second paragraph begins with the word therefore. Now, there is a principle in understanding and studying the Bible that if you've been a Christian for a long time, you've probably heard this many times, but some of you here may be new to the faith, may be new to Bible study, and so I repeat it for your benefit and for your help in understanding the Bible. Whenever you see the word in the Bible, therefore, ask, what is it therefore? And that will help you, and that is not only true in the English language, that is also true in the Greek language in which this is written. Therefore means that everything that is being said is based on what was just said before that. So here, it means that everything Paul is about to say is based on verses 1 through 10. We spent three weeks looking at that important, important section of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, where we learned that Before we came to Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. But God made us alive in Christ. He made us spiritually, eternally alive in Christ. And then we came to that great, historic, biblical statement, for by grace you have been saved through faith. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is where this church stands. That is what this church believes because that is what the Bible teaches. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Well, the second key word that Paul uses in this paragraph is the word remember. You will notice... In verses 11 and 12, both start off with the word remember. Therefore, remember. Verse 12, remember. We must never forget who we were before we came to Christ. We must never forget that everything we are now 
is because of Christ and Christ alone. And Paul says, I want you to remember that, and I want you to remember that. You see, when the church was formed, there was great hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. It is hard for us, as primarily, there may be some people of Jewish descent with us today, but as Gentiles primarily here this morning, it is hard for us to understand the great hostility that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles at this time. Really had nothing, for the most part, to do with each other. But this is not unique to this time period. Throughout the history of the church, the church has always been divided by unbiblical things, things that are racial, ethnic, social, and national, that have tended to divide God's people throughout history. And so I want to share with you something important. Here is how we overcome unbiblical division within the church. I want you to pay attention to this. This is how we overcome unbiblical division within the church. We never forget who we are and where we came from. We never forget who we are in Christ. And we never forget where we came from. If there is unbiblical division in a church, you can be sure they have forgotten that they were helpless, hopeless, sinful people in desperate need of a Savior. But now in Christ and by Him alone, they have come to the cross and received a full and free salvation and forgiveness. John MacArthur writes this. I think he sums it up well. This is not going to be on the screen. It's just I I drew this from his commentary on Ephesians, and I think he sums it up very well. Nothing more inspires gratitude in a saved sinner than a look back to the pit from which he has come. Do not forget the pit from which you came. And when I say a pit, and in the context of what he wrote in his commentary, it's not just your lost condition. Yes, it does refer to your lost condition, but it also refers to your absolutely hopeless worldview that you had before you became a Christian. Your outlook on the world just had no hope for you as you looked out at the world, looked at eternity, and looked at the future. So our second point this morning is therefore remember. The two key words. Therefore remember, Paul is saying to those at Ephesus. And Paul lists five things that the Gentiles are to remember. They are always to remember. In verse 11, before he lists those five things, he makes a general statement that kind of introduces the five things that he wants to discuss. This statement in verse 11 says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Now what he is saying here is don't forget that at one time you were called the uncircumcision by those who are the circumcision. Outwardly in the circumcision of the flesh, Gentiles weren't circumcised, Jews were, so they were separated by that. Now we know from the book of Romans that true circumcision is not the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the heart that brings true salvation. But nonetheless, Paul is saying that you used to be called the uncircumcision. And if you were called the uncircumcised in the ancient world, especially among Jewish people, that was a very derogatory, mean-spirited, belittling term. 
But the Jewish people tended to use that about non-Jews, about the Gentiles. One of the classic examples in all the Bible comes from the Old Testament where David was about to fight Goliath. And he said, I will kill that uncircumcised Philistine. He says to the army of Israel, he says, are you going to let that uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God? And that's how they referred to those who were outside of Israel, outside of their covenant promises. So he says, don't forget, you were the uncircumcised before you came to Christ. Well, then he lists five specific things that he wants them to remember. First, they are to remember that they were separated from Christ. Now, that may seem pretty obvious, like Paul stating something extremely obvious. Before you came to Christ, you were separated from Christ. But he is saying far more than that. He was saying you were separated from the Messiah. You were separated from the great messianic hope, the messianic hope that would come through the Jewish people. You were separated from hope in a savior and a deliverer. Therefore, the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, had no hope of a great deliverer, of a great savior. Their history had no purpose, no plan, and no destiny except the ultimate judgment of God of which they were completely unaware. So, They are to remember that they were separated from Christ. Second, they are to remember that they were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Alienated could also be translated excluded. Commonwealth could also be translated as citizenship. You were excluded. Before you came to Christ, you were excluded from the commonwealth. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. God gave Israel his special blessing protection and love he gave them his covenants he gave them his law he gave them his priesthood his sacrifices his promises and his guidance but the gentiles were excluded don't forget he says remember that you were alienated excluded from the commonwealth of citizenship of israel third they are to remember that they were strangers to the covenants of promise they were strangers they didn't understand they didn't know about the great covenants of promise that god had given to the people of israel the supreme covenant was called the abrahamic covenant it was the covenant that god made with the man abraham the man of faith and he said abraham look at the stars In the sky, I will give you descendants more numerous than the stars in the heavens. And he said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And all the nations, all the families, all the ethne of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. What a great promise. Now we know from the book of Galatians that The promise made to Abraham is that all the ethne, all the peoples of the world would be blessed through Abraham's seed. But Galatians tells us it is not seed plural, it is seed singular through the one seed, Jesus Christ. Abraham was promised that ultimately all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through his seed. And that seed we now know is Jesus Christ himself. And inherent within this one great Abrahamic covenant was also the Mosaic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant, and ultimately the new covenant, 
We don't have time. It would be wonderful, but we don't have time to go through all those particular covenants. But let me simply put it this way. God promised Israel a salvation, a future, and a land. God promised to the people of Israel a great salvation, a great future, and that they would possess a land forever. And in kind of wrapped up in this is the new covenant, which is found in Jeremiah chapter 31, when God said to the people of Israel and ultimately to those Gentiles who would come into the fold of God, that one day, one day, and we look forward to that day, I'm going to write my law on your hearts and you will be my people and I will be your God forever and ever. And we have a foretaste of that in our salvation here. But at this time, the Gentiles, they were excluded. They were alienated from all of that. Fourth, they are to remember that they had no hope. The Gentiles had no promises. They weren't part of the great promises of God. And therefore, no ground, no ground for hope. In the first century, when Paul writes this, the worldview of most Gentiles was a despairing, hopeless worldview. Most Gentiles of his day either thought that death ended all existence or that when you died, your spirit was released to wander aimlessly throughout eternity in the netherworld, never knowing where it would rest. So for the Gentiles, before they came to Christ, death brought only nothingness or everlasting despair. Fifth, they are to remember that they were without God in the world. They were to remember that they were without God. The problem was not that the Gentiles had no God. They had many gods. They were polytheists. But what he means, when you are without God, you did not know the true and the living God of Israel. You did not know the true and the living God of heaven and earth. If you remember earlier in the chapter in verses 2 and 3, if you want to look up there, it says, remember, this is how you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Oh, Gentiles, that's who you were. You were helpless and hopeless and without God. In the world. But then we come to verse 13. But now, but now in Christ Jesus they have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul says, But now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of of Christ. Their saving relationship to Jesus Christ has changed everything. You were helpless, you were hopeless, you were without God in the world. You were alienated, excluded, excluded from all the great promises and covenants of the people of God. But now you who were once brought near, excuse me, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Three great statements. You who were once far off. It literally means you were a long ways away. You were really far off. 
And it doesn't mean by physical distance, it means spiritual distance. You were a long, long ways from understanding the promises and salvation of God. But you who were once far off have been brought near. Oh, this could probably spend an entire message on this one phrase. You have been brought near. It is a precious promise that has great a great relationship to the temple in Israel. If you recall in the temple in Israel, there was the holy place that was separated by a huge thick curtain that separated it from the holy of holies and only the high priest could go into the holy of holies once a year to make a sacrifice for sins. But when Jesus Christ came, when he died for our sins and rose victoriously from the grave, then that great veil, that great curtain was torn in two. And now sinful men and women, through Jesus Christ, can now come into the very presence of a holy God. It is a very tender term. It means you can come into the very intimate, personal presence of God himself. You who were once far off have now been brought very near into intimacy, friendship, and relationship with God himself. And they have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ here very simply refers to the sacrificial death, the atoning death of Jesus Christ. Let us be reminded again that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, in that act... He did everything necessary to accomplish our salvation. Salvation can now only be received as a free gift. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. We saw that earlier in the chapter Oh, the only way you can come into the intimate, personal presence of God is by the blood of Jesus, by receiving him as your Lord and Savior, believing that his death and resurrection did everything to accomplish your salvation, and you receive it as a free gift of grace. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, we must never forget who we were before we came to Christ. We must never forget that everything we are right now is because of Christ and Christ alone. Nothing more inspires gratitude in a saved sinner than a look back to the pit from where he came from. Remember, as we go to communion, as we share the Lord's Supper, remember who you were before you came to Christ. Remember who you are right now because of Christ and Christ alone. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.